Welcome to Peak Mind. I'm your host, Michael Trainer, and I'm coming to you live from Austin, Texas, where I have been on a beautiful writing retreat. Tell you, there's nothing like taking a little time and putting yourself in an intentionally quiet environment to really tap into that inner knowing and that inner sense of possibility. And I've been practicing again. For those who are listening, I highly recommend, if you haven't read it before, The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. And one of the practices that she recommends is something called the morning pages, where you take time each morning to write at least a page. And that page can be anything from you know, just random thoughts to you know, deep and profound flow that leads on to multiple pages. Um, the idea is not that it be perfect, but that you get in the practice. And that, as my friend Stephen Pressfield says, you, you commit to getting up each day and putting yourself at the desk. And in doing so, you allow space for the muse to come through. And so I've been doing that. I've been taking the time and committing to writing five pages and not editing, not going back and rereading, not saying, oh, that was a stupid idea. I should go back and fix that. But more tapping into flow and attempting to find moments of flow. And without question, there is crap that comes through. (laughs) But the idea is not to self-censor. It's kind of like a good meditation practice, right? The idea is not to quiet the mind entirely, right? Inevitably, thoughts will come up, but more to create more space between those thoughts and to become more forgiving of that internal judge and internal critic. And when that internal judge or critic shows up, to be in a spot where you can quickly pivot back to being in a place of creation. I share that with you, one, because I think many of us uh, would benefit from a self-inquiry practice, from a journaling practice, from a writing practice. Some of you may or may not want to write a book, but I think the idea of taking time each morning to be with yourself, to be fully present with your inner world, and to see what wants to come through you is an incredibly potent and powerful practice. And what's happened is, as I've built this muscle of of listening within, is I've become, at the moment, acutely sensitive to energies around me. And as I'm writing a book at the moment around relationships, um, first and foremost, the relationship we have with ourself, but secondarily, the ways in which we can build life-changing relationships with other humans... I've really been in a place of consideration around how we do that most effectively. And last night, I, I, I want to share a story. I had some, some real insights. So I was, as I mentioned, here in Austin, I haven't really been going out and socializing a ton because I've been on this you know, writing journey. That said, I always find it's nice to pause, to go take a walk, and to sort of fill your cup with the medicine of people, you know, with spending time with, with, with great humans. And last night I got invited to the Soho house for a dinner. And I was having a lovely dinner. 
and uh, randomly in the bathroom, as I'm washing my hands, the guy next to me has a t-shirt on for a friend's company. And that friend had no idea that I was in Austin, but lo and behold, he was having his book launch downstairs. And this gentleman said, you know, come on through. Yeah, we're all, we're all hanging out downstairs. And I went downstairs and I saw a multitude of friends. Friends I hadn't seen for quite some time. And some newer people, I would say. Uh, some newer friends and some newer connections. Some of whom happened to be, I don't care for the term, celebrities and quote-unquote influencers. And... It was overall a tight group. It was not like a public event. It was a it was a beautiful sort of you know private book launch, and so a lot of the conversations were intimate. But being in this place of of sort of incubation and being in this place of now extraordinary sensitivity around other people, and also being in a place of acute observation, I noticed both with myself and others when I was in a place of authentic relating, when I was in a place of flow, when I was in a place of, of conversation, of dynamic exchange, I noticed when someone else was genuinely curious about me and asking questions, and times when they were not genu genuinely curious about me and not asking questions. I noticed when someone would tell a joke and the laughter was perhaps more than was appropriate for the joke, and when mo people were in moments of people-pleasing. And I noticed when things flowed smoothly. And I noticed that within myself as well. I noticed that there were, especially because it's not necessarily my home turf, right? It's, it's a place that I'm visiting. I definitely have a community here. But I'm not an established presence within this village, so to speak. And... With that, although I always have a spirit of openness, I find that some people uh, are sussing you out to see how you fit in their world, how you fit in their community. And what came up for me was there were moments in which there were people whom I genuinely would like to consider them a friend, but we're not yet in that place of trust. We're not yet in that place of mutual rapport. And I noticed within myself, there were moments in which, because one of the ways that I love to build relationships is to genuinely be of service. Um, there were moments where I was trying to find ways in my mind to be of service, to, to be a giver, to, um, to authentically be a contribution. And while I think that that is a beautiful place to be, what I noticed was that I was in effect, stepping back into a very old pattern, which I don't go into frequently, but of people-pleasing. And some of you may have this part within yourself where you find yourself in a mode where you're looking to be the nice person or the people-pleaser. But what it evoked for me was, do I really want to be in the world of someone if they're not one authentically curious about me, but two, if I'm not in a place where I feel there's a natural flow, in other words, where I'm actually consciously jogging my mind for a way in which to add value. 
Now, oftentimes that comes just out naturally, right? But but when you're actually subconsciously thinking, oh, how can I, you know, sort of be a value to this person? In my world, you're you're sort of think you're you're out of the flow of the conversation, and you're actually potentially in a place of looking to appease that person. And I think that that can be a dangerous place because I think when we are looking for qualities outside of ourselves, when we're looking for approval, when we're looking for validation, when we're looking to be accepted, oftentimes that's from a place that is not aligned to our center, from a place that's not aligned to our power. And I think that that can evoke, when we're in those moments, an opportunity for us to really question who we're being. And I'll take this a step further because I had had a conversation with a dear friend not long ago where she asked about uh, my ideal partner. Now, I'm shifting this to being sort of a romantic context, but there were times in the past where I wrote out a list. But I do remember a story where a a dear elder had shared with me, he was clearly happy and clearly in a long-term valuable partnership. He said to me two things I'll never forget. He said, you know, when I'm, my partner walks in the room, she lights up the room. And every night before I go to sleep and every morning that I wake up, we're laughing. And what it evoked in me was a feeling, a feeling of admiration, a feeling of rapport, a feeling of humor, a feeling of ease. And not that that would be the totality of a romantic relationship, but I think oftentimes we go to oh, intelligent and beautiful and successful, all these sort of characteristics of how someone is in the world without necessarily considering what they evoke in you and what their way of being is as it relates to who you want to be on a day-to-day basis in the world. And so I, I think as we consider relationship and how we relate effectively with people, it's really imperative for us to consider who we want to be and how someone else's level of being shows up for us, what it evokes in us. And what my friend said was, I don't think you need to throw out the list. I think what that gentleman shared with you is very worthwhile. But what I did was I wrote down a list of all the qualities I wanted in a partner. And then I went about going to be all of those things. She said, instead of looking outside myself, for those things, I set out to be them one by one. And inevitably, that both led to me not yearning for that in another, but also it naturally attracted those qualities because I wasn't looking outside myself any longer. I was being those things, being those qualities. And I think that's something super valuable to remember because when we see something, when we project something onto someone else, in an exalted way, in a way where we, um, we we think we wish we had their life or their way of being or their whether it be their wealth or their partnership or their, you know, success, their credentials. I think it's a moment to pause and think about who we get to be and what they're evoking. And if that's inspirational, uh, that can be a very good thing. But if that comes to a place where we feel the need to people please or or validate ourselves, then I think we get to look at where that's coming from. And a friend of mine, Lewis Howes, actually said something this morning 
that I found truly poignant. He said, when you heal your past shame and fully love yourself, that's when you become unstoppable. From this place, you can stop pleasing everyone and abandoning yourself. You create healthy boundaries and no longer are hurt by the opinions of others who react from pain over love. And I think that's super beautiful because I do think there are times in which we abandon ourselves and we let go of our boundaries. We, we, we lose ourselves because someone triggers a sense of us not feeling seen or they trigger a trauma or a sense of shame and we feel we need to cover over that with their validation. You know, a lot of times that shows up in romantic contexts as seeking the, the approval or the attraction of emotionally unavailable partners, right? Someone who's not interested, how can we win their interest? Or trying to change a partner, how can we change that person? And I think what it comes down to is coming to a place within ourselves where we truly feel a love and acceptance for who we are. That doesn't mean that we're not striving to be a better version of ourselves, but rather that we're not looking outside ourselves for the salve to fix something within. That we, that we seek first to be the best version of ourselves, as imperfect as we are, and not looking to validate ourselves outside through the approval or the attraction of another. And my friend Mark Groves, who has a beautiful account called Create the Love, shared another piece that literally popped up. And it's funny how sometimes things enter in your consciousness and then you see them everywhere, little signs. But he said, don't be afraid to lose people. Be afraid of losing yourself by trying to please everyone around you. Again, don't be afraid to lose people. Be afraid of losing yourself by trying to please everyone around you. And I think what's so poignant in that is the true people, and by that I mean the people that are meant to be in our lives, are not necessarily people we need to chase not people we need to prove our worthiness to, but rather people who hear our unique song, people who want to dance to our music. You know, when people ask what is my book about, I say it's about the music that wants to live in the space between two people and how we can become effective instruments for those songs. Now, not everyone in life is gonna wanna dance to your music. And that's okay. But if you become a true instrument for your unique song, there will be people who absolutely love your tune. That will dance and sing and share and celebrate your song. And so today, my friends, I just wanted to share this reflection because it was really up for me last night. And I've been so acutely aware of these, you know, these these, I wouldn't call them epiphanies, but these moments of realization, these reckonings. And I think they show up in life until we make peace with them within ourselves. And I think that goes back to that very first statement, right? Like once we stop yearning or searching or seeking for that elusive shallow ghost outside ourselves, once we see the true beauty and delve into the darkness and illuminate the dark places within, and come through the work 
not through spiritual bypassing, but through self-reckoning to a place of authentic expression and authentic love, then the people who love our song will 100% see us, see you, and be there. And they will be there dancing. So thank you so much for listening, my friends. I've got a, a great number of incredible conversations coming your way. I never take your time for granted. I'm so grateful for your time, your energy, your attention, your love. Thank you for the beautiful ratings and reviews. Thank you for growing and sharing this with your people. I, it means the world to me. And one of the ways that I've built some truly profound relationships is actually through putting myself out there and sharing uh, these thoughts, even and especially when they can be scary. So I encourage you to do the same. To whatever your unique song is, I'm here for it. And uh, to the symphony that we can create when we are all singing our own unique songs.